0: There we go, Chris. I have it recorded. Got it. Okay. Okay. So we'll just give it a minute. Uh looks like that did allow some people to uh, fill in. Someone has a question. I'll let. Them. Hey Tom, you have your hand up. Yeah, Joe. Uh, uh, I'm going to put in the. I'd like to be able to put in the chat at the end a code for people to send me an email so they they get their CE credit. Okay. Uh. Wait. Uh, you want me to just email it to you? Yeah, email it to me. Okay. That'll That'll be, yeah. At the end, that's all they got to do is just send me an email with the, with with it in the subject line. They get their CFP credit. Okay, cool, Perfect. thanks. I appreciate it, Tom. Oh, there we go. Okay. I mean, we're five minutes past eight. I think more people will file in, but in the interest of time, I'll, I'll start this. So, um, welcome, everybody. It's been uh, a long hiatus since our last meeting. I believe that occurred in November. So, welcome back. Uh, Today, we have Chris Whalen, who is from Chris Whalen CPA, a a well-known local accountant, author, blogger, uh, and speaker. Chris has been an early adopter from uh, the accounting practice perspective to uh, crypto and crypto tax planning and and, and advisory on that end. So given everything that's going on with crypto, uh, it's a question that reoccurs all the time with my clients. We we specifically don't handle crypto, uh, but uh, it's a question that keeps coming up, especially um, now that the the large asset managers have approved a a Bitcoin ETF. So I think it's going to be a constant conversation we're having, and I think we need to be armed with all the facts. Uh, And Chris here is going to give us some insightful information today. Uh, So I'll kick it over to you, Chris, and uh, go right ahead.
1: Well, let me just say uh, good before I share my screen. Good morning, everybody. Really appreciate all that are live here and anyone that's going to be watching after the fact. Um, and crypto is very, um, very interesting. A lot of people don't have a lot, very um, a, a thorough enough understanding of what's happening with it. And I think when it comes to estate planners and financial planners and tax prep, tax preparers, I think that we need to uh, to really understand a lot more to do our jobs the right way. So let me just share my, staring my screen and tell me if you could see it, Joe, looks good? Looks good to me. All right, great. Just a brief introduction. I'm Chris Whalen, CPA, of course. I've been licensed as a CPA for over 30 years. We're business and individual tax experts. We do, of course, we're a full service CPA firm, do everything that you would think a CPA firm should do. My motto is if we aren't working for you, then you aren't working at your best. You're almost there. But until you hire us, you can't be working at your fullest potential, of course. So of course, there's, I, we have Q&A throughout, always just add, add a question in the chat. But I often say, I'm gonna give you so much A, there's gonna be very little Q. So hopefully I'm gonna be thorough enough that you get a lot out of this. I hate coming to seminars where people are just throwing up information that's really just out of a, a book that we all could read. So hopefully you're gonna find this worthwhile. Little tax update, there's not a lot going on in 2023, but for some of our higher net worth clients, which we all deal with, we have some changes to the AMT, the exemptions higher, which is good. The estate tax exemption is higher, as you know, that's been going up since 2018. We have, still have the EV tax credit, which is important. We still have a solar credit. Now, the, the, the one thing I bring up to a lot of people, are you taking enough charity? now i have a great blog post on this and people ask me all the time what is a trigger for an audit what can people take we don't have receipts for everything so i did a lot of research and i did this report so let's just take a look at this all together so this shows you income ranges on the left and let's go to the right for a second it shows the more money people make the more percentage of them are giving to charity so this makes perfect sense but I want you to see the, the the average here, the average column. This is the 50% average of what people are giving in cash. As you can see, some of our clients are making a lot more than $100,000 or 200000 So, for example, m- my clients that are making a half a million dollars are always about in the $10,000 range. So we want to be reasonable, but we don't want to miss out on charitable deductions. I've only had one charity ever audited in my entire 37-year career. So this is something to talk to clients about. Even, even if you're not a tax preparer, a lot of them are itemizing, but they're missing out on, on a deduction that is that is not often looked at. So this is also anyone that wants this, I could send this memo to them if they want to share it to give people an idea. Again, these are 50% cash averages, and that's not even including non-cash. So someone in the $500,000 range might have a $10,000 of cash and $3,500 to $4,000 of non-cash that we put down for them. Just, it's just important. Some of our clients are in the highest brackets. And so if we could save someone 37 cents on the dollar on 14 or 15,000 of itemized, it's well worth the discussion, I think. Now I, don't, now, I don't care what you think of our former president, no matter how you view him, I always say, remember, this is very important. The end of 2025, his tax reductions expire. This is a very, it's coming around the corner. So what does this really mean? I think a lot of us have forgotten what this means so I, I pulled up these two could this comparison of individual rates here and what the top bracket is but also what the what when the limit starts so let's take a look I think we've all been a little pampered the past few years. So look back in 2017 the thirty nine point six percent bracket started at four hundred and seventy thousand. Now we have a rate, the highest rates thirty seven percent. look at the bottom, but that starts at seven hundred thirty one thousand. So we could all just do some quick math. Imagine how much tax we've all of us have been saving. and this this is across the board. This is not a rich person's tax break. Everyone in every bracket has saved a relative, relatively the same amount of money. So this is important for planning purposes because it's less than two years away. And a lot of us a lot of us do work that is projected, right? So let's take a similar look at fiduciary. Same thing, top rates, what is it? We well, a lot of us deal with fiduciary returns. And we need to be, start considering as we do long-term planning. To, to, if you take a look at this, we have 37% at the bottom here, starting of an amount over 14,450. And so if you look at that, it's a tremendous savings, but we're gonna have a really big tax bill unless unless we get this extended. Of course, there's no guarantee. And all of us, of course, all of us are aware of this. Back in 2017, the taxable estate was 5.4 million. And of course, it's been increasing since 18. But look, but just imagine at the end of 25, we go from 14 million back to 5.4 million. This is, of course, for all of our companies that are looking to sell. We have succession plans in place. So a lot of us have to be considering this um, because people are still alive and they were doing plans for them but we but if they live through after 2025 there could be a dramatically different plan in place for a lot of uh, especially the small business owners which these rate which these increases really helped as we know yeah, let's go back to this okay so let's i'm going to give you some thoughts on reversion to the old rates so any estate or income tax financial advising commercial deal should now have these rate rate reversions heavily considered as impact usually is for many years 2026 is right around the corner, right? Many financial advisors provide long-term monthly net income after tax cash flow budgets for retirement. Be sure your proprietary in-house systems have these changes programmed in, right? Because a lot of times we have Merrill or other companies have law, you know, well, forecasting systems and a lot of times their their tax the tax numbers are not brought up to speed. So just make sure as we're projecting out to 26, where we're now adjusting for that chart I showed you a moment ago. All right, so let's get into crypto a little bit. So on the 1040, everybody, we have right on page one, which means it's very significant. They have a, a question about digital assets, right? You see here, we have to answer yes or no. And I'll give you that wording. So at any time during 23, Did you receive as a reward, award, or payment for property or services or sell, exchange or otherwise dispose of a digital asset or a financial interest in a digital asset? So some of us might say no, but you might fall into this without realizing it, right? So the good examples are there's nominal digital awards sometimes on savings or brokerage accounts. Phone apps and games may offer these for signing up. So you got to be really careful, though. The reason why crypto is so significant, I tell everybody, is that the government feels that it's an attack on our sovereignty. So I think it's pretty serious. I tell everyone that when the Federal Reserve could be put out of business in a way. So I think that the government has has a lot of eyes on this um, and they're going to continue to. And remember, when it comes to Bitcoin, we're still not even sure who invented Bitcoin, where it came from, to be honest. So... The odds of the government having a hand in the creation of Bitcoin is extremely high. They're ahead of the curve. So I believe, I would assume when we're dealing with clients, because a lot of times they feel that crypto is decentralized. No one can see it. We have it in offshore wallets. But I would I would assume that's not true. I would assume just for your own purposes, for tax planning, that the government can see everything you're doing and you should be reporting appropriately, no matter where your assets are held, of course. I'm not going to get into the blockchain too much because that's a little detail. We don't need that detail right now. But for financial purposes, we need this. We need similar info to stock sales, right? So we need an acquisition date, a basis, a disposition date, and proceeds. Sounds simple, but getting this info is not as straightforward as for stocks. So I'm going to give a little example here. Now, this is important. When the title to a crypto is given up, not just exchange for cash or fiat currency, you have a taxable capital transaction. It's very important because most crypto transactions are exchanges for other crypto, right? So every time that we exchange for another crypto, we have a taxable transaction. So let's take, I want to take a minute to go through this. Might look a little busy, but it's a really good example of what of, of how we deal with crypto. So on January 1st, 23. We purchased a Bitcoin for two hundred thousand dollars. We had cash for that. So our basis in that is two hundred thousand dollars. There's no gain or loss because we just purchased it. All right, so we have two hundred thousand. Now on February first, we want we 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 have ethereum. That's the symbol here on February first. okay? And so we bought we we bought ten of those. And we we exchange them for the Bitcoin we had. So see, there's no cash here on the second line. The fair market value of that's two fifty. So what does this mean? This means that we bought Bitcoin for two hundred thousand. The Bitcoin went up to two hundred fifty thousand, and we feel that's topped out. So we bought a we exchange that for Ethereum. So look at our here we have a capital gain. The original basis of the Bitcoin is two hundred thousand. We got two hundred fifty thousand of the Ethereum. We have a gain of fifty thousand the ending basis is 250. So see there's no cash there at all, but this transaction must go on the tax return. Now now this next line on March 1st, we we bought we exchanged the Ethereum for XRP, but here we had a significant drop in value. So we only got $75,000 worth of XRP for the Ethereum that we originally exchanged for 250. So we see just like a stock we have to keep track of the basis. That's a $175,000 loss the ending basis is 75, right? So we have, the, now at the same the same day, I cash it out for currency. I cash out my 75,000. So in this case, I have 75,000 of fair market value at that moment, the basis is 75. And so we have zero, zero taxable uh, gain or loss. But look, the Schedule D will have $125,000 net loss. So this is the kind of, now remember, there could be thousands of these transactions to account for. So imagine that you get an estate in and someone is heavy into crypto, you know, how do you handle it? Because it's not just like looking at a Robinhood or a broker statement, for example. So this is very important to understand how this works, that that cash is not always involved. And we have to keep track of every time that we exchange these. And sometimes, like I said, I deal with spreadsheets that have 10,000 lines. So- So in the chat, if you could tell me, was this helpful? Was this slide helpful to everybody? I'm hoping.
0: Chris, I found it helpful. Question for you. Um, I remember in the beginning with crypto, uh, the exchanges that held the crypto assets didn't really record these transactions uh, so well, um, and that it was manually done in order to properly report. Do you know if that has changed and if that technology has been updated?
1: Right. Well, right. So you have exchanges like Coinbase or Binance, for example. So if you have transactions within them, be good. They're they're keeping pretty good track of all of that. But remember that a lot of people have their coins that they keep in a wallet, which I'll get to in a minute, that are not linked. So you could have a flash drive with all your crypto and then all your basis is on there. Then they move it into Coinbase just to exchange it. And then they pull it back into their wallet. So it's 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 usually very cumbersome. But yes, if you're if there are great, there are great aggregators now that if you use Coinbase, you can bring it into another program to get tax information. But the problem is that the basis is not always there. Just like because if I have Apple stock and I bought it out of a Fidelity account, they're gonna keep my original basis and know what my gain or loss is this is much more distributed and decentralized usually and so finding the basis and the original purchases especially when someone dies is very difficult so yeah so it's better but we have to see the whole the whole the the, the, the history of where they cuz m- a lot of people like i said will put money into a digital wallet let's say 200,000 in our example here they'll 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 get the bitcoin there then they'll move that to a coinbase to, to exchange for something else, but that basis doesn't come over. So when we sell that in our example here, let's say we did these this, these exact transactions, they, the Coinbase would show a capital gain of 250000 because we have no basis. So that's why I, I go into this a little bit, but I hope that answered the question. I'm looking in the chat now. Are there any, any is there, is there a question, Joe? I don't see any questions. All right. All right. So remember, accounting for crypto is not new law. This is very important. Everyone thinks that they've made new laws. Really, it's just it's, uh, property exchange laws apply. Right? So um, that's why I'm always... It's always interesting that accountants don't want it. They seem confused by this. I know it's more technical, but it's really just exchanging for property. Like years ago, we could exchange livestock or leases or pork bellies or anything property. And so the same rules apply. So just a matter of getting your head around how to account for the the new technology-based exchanges. Remember, crypto is decentralized. Which makes tracking transactions and verifying assets, cost bases and values difficult. This it, it, this necessitates much more research than normal. I say this as it may impact your billable time, right? So if you're getting, if you're having an estate come in, and you and you're 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 gonna have a certain fee structure to look at the assets you're used to looking at homes and stocks, equities, currencies, things like that. Well, if there's crypto involved, before I would give any price, or estimated hours, we really want to understand the crypto world they're living in because it may take a lot more time than normal assets. And there are very few CPA firms that specialize in all things crypto. Luckily, one is coming to mind. So again, anyone has any crypto questions, always please feel free to give me a call anytime. Now, let's go over the storage options. We were alluding to this a minute ago. Chris, we may have a problem. question. Hang on
0: from Jory. From Hi, Jory. Hi. So two things. First, my chat is disabled, or I would have chatted. Okay. I, I don't would. know if everybody else's chat is disabled, if um, Chris is waiting for feedback. Um, but do, does Coinbase and like the crypto wallets all have... Are there like... When, do they report all of this on the 1099 or, or is all of this tracking you're talking about response, the responsibility of the investor?
1: Yeah, the, the wallets have no reporting requirement at all. The government doesn't really have any way to track them. Like I said, they're all on the blockchain, if you will. So um, this, of course, makes the government very worried about things. Now, Coinbase, yes, will give you a 1099K, if you, which is an interesting 1099 to get. Um, if you trade over a certain amount, and that varies. So a lot of my clients, if they have, remember, it's just an exchange, it's not a gain. I have clients that could put $10,000 in an account in Coinbase, and all year they can exchange a million dollars by doing day trading, only, only gain $2. They get a 1099 because it's based on the exchange is not the gain. It's very important to remember. So assume it's going to be, remember, even if the Coinbase... Even if Coinbase or Binance, they're real, they're real um the websites that will that will let you track things. The government's seeing all of that. <laughs> Even one exchange, I'm sure they are, or else Coinbase wouldn't be able to operate. So we should assume it. But the let me go back to uh now I can go back to answer your question here. So we're dealing with wallets. This is a good that's a great question at a good time, right? So we have there's crypto exchanges just like we're talking about. Coinbase is a great example of one. They're online. They are no, they look like broker accounts. they look like broker websites. And yes, they have a reporting requirement to the IRS. definitely. Any anybody that's any any exchange online that has a US based customer needs to report to the IRS. That's why a lot of people try to use offshore exchanges because they think that the IRS can't see those. So that's one way to and and you can keep you can keep all your assets here if you want to. Now there's cold storage wallets, which a lot of people remember people got into crypto to keep things out of the eyes of the government. So a flash drive is a good example. You can if you, you have to have your special keys and passwords, but you keep it on a flash drive in your pocket and you carry it wherever you go, and there's no way to track that at all. So there are people with millions and millions of dollars in their pocket on a flash drive that they're they're holding on to and the government has no idea that that it's there. And there's paper wallets. So these are actually words on paper. Why I think that I'm I'm giving this slide. So you all when you're dealing with that with with estate assets or clients financial planning, we need to ask, do you have any any or all of these? Because there are people that have, have a pad of paper with everything written down. There could be a million dollars in a spiral notebook. Of people with the information of where the of, of where the where on the so you get on the blockchain, it gives you all the passwords, right? So there's hot crypto wallets, which are flash drives that are linked to software. So th- these are less secure, if you will, but you can have it on a flash drive and and they can go back and forth to Coinbase quickly, like we talked about before. Let's say I have Bitcoin on my flash drive and I want to exchange it for something in Coinbase. I can move it to Coinbase quick, do an exchange and bring that and leave it, leave my coinbase empty and bring it back to my my hot crypto wallet and that hot crypto wallet itself is not really traceable but this just gives a good good ideas or what we need to worry about in terms of tax planning or financial planning because what if you have someone that passes away that has has a myriad of these it's it's not like a cash account at bank of america so that's why i think sometimes the intake that i do i have a whole questionnaire based on what we need to know about all of this which I think a lot of you might want might want to adopt, or at least cl- at least have clients check a box that there is no crypto to worry about. because I just see liability in the future, right? where we have estate planners and they're distributing assets and they don't really know how this works, and you have people coming back to them saying, how do you know what the value was? How do you know share as a beneficiary was? So that's why I'm just that's why I stick to this slide. Um, as much as I'm doing right now, because it's so everyone can take a quick look and digest it. So remember, if you want to access your crypto more quickly, you choose a crypto exchange or a hot wallet. If you'd like to focus more on security and storing crypto offline, cold storage or paper wallets are ideal options. So what what I have some attorneys are doing when we do a will, I say you should, if someone's keeping things in a paper wallet or a flash drive, We need to have that information maybe in a separate codicil in the will so we know how we can get to it. Because sometimes these things die with the person, as we know, just like a safe combination. All right, I bring this up as I show this is much different compared to other assets we're all used to dealing with, right? So we can all see how tracking of these assets, their values and their transactions is very cumbersome. Crypto was invented with secrecy and decentralization in mind. This makes our jobs much more difficult or impossible. I get cases where they don't know what the basis is. They don't even have what they transferred things to and from. So sometimes we have to go back and rebuild things. So I bring this up because it's something to worry about. And we have to assume there's missing information very often. So professionals working in the estate space, so what information are you currently requesting for crypto? Is anyone does this on anyone's radar? Have you been requesting crypto information for your estate planning clients anyone in the chat or or, or speak up for a second? I think was someone talking? Let's look at the chat.
0: Yeah, I'm not seeing anything. You could you could raise your hand if you want to speak, and I could I could allow you to speak, um, or you could pop it into the chat. Everyone should have access. Okay. And Jory says here, if you can see it in the chat, that most of yeah,
1: I got is. it. Okay, good. So the chat is working. Got it. Okay, great. All right. So like, for example, this is just a question for everyone to think about what methods are you using to verify the location and value? I know Jory had said people are using Coinbase and that's great. If you have someone using Coinbase from the beginning where the cash was put in there and all transactions are done within Coinbase, that's very helpful. But remember, a lot of people are using wallets as well, um, hot and cold wallets. So I think we have to make sure because a lot of times people are moving from a wallet to coinbase and then the basis is not there so we really need to ask specific questions as to the, their history of crypto transactions from the beginning and where they started and where they ended right and so how are you proposing distributions of these assets to beneficiaries right so crypto is interesting how are we going to get how are we going to get the crypto out of the coinbase and get it distributed it's not as simple as doing any, you know a transfer form from T Rowe to Fidelity, so important things to think about that we need to be prepared to uh, tell our clients about. Right, so I said it might be advisable to include wording or addendums for wills and trusts about this. That includes that includes the decentralized info, right? Many of us have intake forms for various clients and engagements. Any of us that request asset information needs to now include. Very specific crypto asset information requests. And valuing crypto is usually much harder than traditional assets. Consider a disclaimer and engagement letters, right? We this is very this is a whole new Wild West territory. We're not sure. Where if we do an estate plan or where we're just we're marshaling assets and things like that, we have to let people know, right, what the value is, what the beneficiaries get. We have to be very, very, very certain with the crypto that we're right. You know where where are you going to get the fair market value? What is the source? It's not like the, It's not like the Wall Street Journal. Go look at a, you know the Dow Jones today. So it's important things to consider about 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 what we're doing and how this might bring liabilities on that we didn't think about. So we've all been given canned answers when asked how to safeguard assets. Crypto gives us much more complex answers to provide. So what do we tell somebody? To how to safeguard the assets when it's in a spiral notebook or in a flash drive in their pocket. you know. So it just, it just adds more to our work and more to our care to give clients proper advice, I think. I just want to show this last slide here. So there's different ways to use crypto. Like we talked about earlier, when we dispose of a crypto, either for more crypto or for cash, that's a capital gain, as we see here. But remember, there's other ways that people are using crypto we need to ask. Sometimes they're mining, staking, or they do airdrops. So I'm not going to get into what those are. But people can use their crypto as collateral, for example, in staking. And they can make an interest on that. And that interest is taxable, but it might come in the, in, in the form of coins. So it's a very interesting world. A lot of people are having capital gains at the same time. They're staking. And so we really need to get a handle on what the clients are doing, whether it be their living or for their estate, for their estate plan. Hope you found this worthwhile. Email me your contact information, please. I put my info in the chat, subscribe to my blog to stay updated. And there are any questions.
0: I'll see if there's any questions, but I'll, uh, I have a question for you, Chris. So I understand from a tax reporting standpoint, having an exchange is helpful because they, they, they collect the information the basis and the the buys and sells but that's also in direct conflict with you know the the safety of the exchange and that's why a lot of people put it on uh, i guess a flash drive or or that cold storage um what what do you recommend to clients um what, what is best uh to get both of those benefits if there is anything like that could you repeat that one more time so there's, the benefit of being on the exchange is that it records a lot of the transactions, right? And then you have to right. assist the buys and the sells. Um, but some say that exchanges aren't as secure as holding your crypto in a wallet or your cold storage. Right. Or, so is there a way to do both, to have this security, but also have the reporting requirements without having to manually do it?
1: no, if you know if you have a wallet, if you do everything in your wallet, you have to keep track of it. And there's some software that'll help you a little bit. But no matter what, the moment that you put it into like for there are ways to take your wallet and put it into an aggregator, it's called online. But then, of course, it's online. And of course, anyone could possibly see that. so if if, if remember there there's a there's a number of different types of crypto investors, right? Some of them don't care. Some of them treat it like an investment, like stock investment. They don't care if the government sees it. They're going to report it anyway. And then you have half of them who are very secretive. So it all depends on your client's mentality. As Jory had said, oh, their their client works in Coinbase. That's great. That's like having a Fidelity account. Right. Um. So it all depends on the client that you have. But if you have someone that wants to be very secretive, which a lot of people are that way, I get half of my client's they want to keep everything on their cold wallets all the time. And that those are the ones that, that are really we have to look at for current tax planning, because we have to make sure they're reporting correctly. And sometimes they're not so forthcoming. Did I answer the question? Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, a couple of thoughts in the chat. So Jury asks about uh, your thoughts on the new crypto ETFs. Uh, and Tom is also asking about the, the airdrop piece, if you could explain a little bit more there.
1: Right so an ETF right is more of a an exchange traded fund so just think of it like an index type fund right so it's wanting to 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 make investments for you into different cryptos and you're going to hopefully get the, the the benefit of of tracking multiple cryptos at the same time to have a, a more even distributed gain over time so it's really so there's also futures contracts for digital currency similar to what we know future contracts to be so so it's so it's really it helps. So they're like you know you know there are clients you have where they they don't want to they don't want to invest in individual stocks. They'll say find me the best mutual funds or the best um, or the best index funds, right? So that's what it's like. So it's for people who want to be in the crypto space but don't want to spend the time to find the exact crypto to to, uh, to they don't want to find they don't want to find exact crypto to invest in. All right so an airdrop is is a marketing technique that's what an airdrop is usually thought of as it's a marketing strategy you know for new companies that want to raise awareness so if you do something if you are participate in something with them they'll give you some of their coins for free um that, that that's the main way that that crypto is airdrop is used you know, so it's so right. So it's an it's a token you get based on online activity. And again, that's something like we talked about before. That might come from a game or an app, like we mentioned before. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You might have done something you don't know, and there's there's a there's a token sitting in an account in your name. You don't even know that you're you're dealing with crypto now. Right. Does that makes sense.
0: Makes perfect sense. There, there's a few things in the chat uh, from Jason and Lynn if you wanted to take a look at their uh, their questions.
1: Sure. All right. If a taxpayer owns crypto on a thumb drive and gets locked out, bricked, or even physically loses the thumb drive, can they make use of some kind of loss of the value of the coin in that thumb drive? So technically what I would normally do is if I can prove the purchase, right? So if you moved $100,000 into a flash drive wallet, and then something happened to it. If I can prove the cash went out, then yes, because then it becomes worthless per the IRS rule, right? It's a worthless, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 you can't attach to it anymore. So yeah, so I would normally take that as a capital loss because because it, it's, it's, it's irretrievable, technically. Now the IRS could come back and say, well, how do we know you don't have the codes? That's why when crypto is not on, an, the, the crypto itself still has a value. It's not like a stock went to zero. So you could try that, but if I'm, I'm I've done that before. But if the IRS has a question, they might say, "Well, how do we know you're telling the truth?" So the IRS might negate that because again, it's not on an exchange where it went to zero. So just just always keep keep a lot of copies, especially in a safe deposit box, of all your all your cold wallet information, and make sure someone knows if you're incapacitated or you pass away, someone knows where to get it. You know, your main executor should know where to get this info. A lot of times they keep it in a safe deposit box that the executor will always have a key to anyway, even prior to death. I hope that helps, Jason. But again, it's the Wild West a little bit. The IRS could negate that, that worthless uh, capital transaction um, if they come and look at it. Let's see, Lynn. The transactions the IRS are looking for not only include exchanges of types of crypto, also payments made to or from people for transactions. So if someone is paid in crypto, there's gross receipts potentially. Yes. Right. So remember that if you like if I do a tax return and someone pays me a thousand dollars in crypto, at that moment, the fair market value of that is income to me, is earned income on a Schedule C or say an S Corp. So remember, it's not a capital gain. Right. If someone pay right, if someone pays a bill in crypto, so let's say I took in a thousand dollars of crypto of Bitcoin for a tax return. That first transaction is that's income to me, fair market value, non cash, it goes to my top line. Now, now I have an inventory of Bitcoin. Excuse me for a thousand dollars basis. So let's say that I pay my utility bill for, for fifteen hundred dollars because Bitcoin went up. So not only do I have a thousand dollar expense of, of for utilities, but now I have a five hundred dollar capital gain. So a lot of companies that are dealing with Bitcoin as currency in a way they have very cumbersome accounting because think about that. I have to keep it's not like dollars. I have to keep a Bitcoin inventory of what their, their, of what their basis is. And then I need to, then you do a capital gain transaction when I use it to transact business. So Lynn, that was a great, uh, great comment there.
0: In the Q and a, Chris, uh, Arthur, uh, and you may have touched on this just before. Arthur asks what happens to asset loss? funds and bank accounts without activity goes to a goes to a fund that the state maintains. Do you know if they do that for crypto?
1: I don't think it' I don't think it applies to things like Coinbase right now. I don't think they have jurisdiction over that the way they have the on the banking. you know the banking world is pretty tight on a federal and state level. so I've never seen I've never seen that enacted or seen that in practice yet where an abandoned account goes to the state, into that state fund. I'm sure they're going to do it eventually. Like I can see, <clears throat> unless the government, I don't know what the government's going to do. Again, because I know that they really take it as an attack on our sovereignty. And I know they would love to get rid of the crypto. So I think we should find in the, near, in the coming years, more and more um, harsh restrictions and reporting on crypto going forward because if anyone's gonna have a digital currency, they might want their own, then what do they do? See, people worry about the oh, digital currency, excuse me, but if the government goes to digital, then then that would make uh, people who are used to dollars being forced to go to digital, a lot of them would migrate to non-US-based digital currency, right? I think that would make more people get into crypto than not. If we only have a digital, a digital choice, well then people are gonna want the one that's decentralized to me. So I think it'd be a big mistake if the US try to go with a US dollar digital currency. We need a few more minutes here. We have another question. I'm just looking for the chat.
0: Yeah, I think um... I don't see any more questions. Again, you can enter into the chat or you can raise your hand and I can allow you to talk. Um, So we'll just give it another minute, uh, but that if there's- uh... I just want to make
1: sure we have enough time in. I know that someone's concerned about total time.
0: That's okay. And I want to make
1: sure that I, I mean, there's so many things to talk about, you know, that aren't related to crypto, you know, in terms of the the tax filings and, you know, the, the rates changing that I don't think a lot of people are considering. I'm seeing if there's, a, seeing there was a, see if there's another question here.
0: Yep, there are, um, check the chat. We have a few uh, a few questions.
1: All right. what are the valuation rules for crypto on an estate return? That's from Jason, that's another great question. So we have to list it at value at the date of death. And so the problem is that we have, again, there's no certified place. We're used to going to, um, Dow Jones, the Dow Jones list, or we're used to going to Fidelity, we, we, we usually can go right into, we usually can ask our broker, hey, Joe, someone passed away on August 1st, 2023. What was the value of everything, right? Joe can find that and we can get that in, and we can use that in our support file, but we can't do that with crypto. And so there's a number of different places around the world that will give you values. They're very They're very similar but they're not something that we can definitely certify. That's why we usually go to, out to get four or five different values from different places around the world at that moment and maybe average them. A lot of times they're, they're extremely close, but they're not always equal. So that's interesting, right? So if we have something in Hong Kong that says $5 and something in the U.S. that says $4.95, what do we do? Right? Because again, it's the wild west. So so I would I would get as many valuations as I can of course, because we're dealing with beneficiaries, we're dealing with estate tax, I'd want to have as much support as I can to, to come up with an aggregated average. I hope that helps. That, that's what I normally do when I'm dealing with this I'm from an estate state work. Um, So I have as much support in my file. But it's interesting. Again, it gives us extra work to do. And that, of course, that's billable time. Here we go. So we have a little bit off topic, but I've had students asking about the taxability of gaming income where kids are paying to watch other kids play online games. Students are adamant that the income is unincome, yes. Anytime you get a value in gaming, it's income. So yes, the, the, these kids are having, a lot of times they make a lot of money when they're involved. So just cause it's not cash, they're getting something that is transferable for value in the future. So it's a hundred, I, I have a lot of, I have a few clients who are professional game players online Believe me, all that money they make is taxable, even though it's crypto. So they're wrong. Even if, the, no matter what, if, if, if there's digital tokens that could be used for something else eventually, even on the same platform. So let's say it's never cash, but they can cash them in for things on the platform. It's still, a, it's, it's, it's still an exchange for value. So when you when you get that income, it's taxable. You know, if, if of course... They're supposed to get a 1099 if it's over $600. But even if it's $100, you're supposed to report it. Is it like stock? High, low, mean for the date of death? Yes, I would. Oh, Yes, Jason, good question. Yes, high. If you look at Jason's question, is it like stock? For example, high, low, mean for the date of death? Yes. I mean, but we we usually try it's because it's so volatile. We usually just try to get, the, the average at the end of the day of multiple sources in this case, right? That's what you'd normally do, right? For for, for a crypto. I don't want, blame me, I don't want to look at the low, high, be, there'd be too many sources to get, and then the, to average that would be much too much work. So that's why we just go with the, the end of day value um, for the crypto from multiple sources. Hope that helps. Again, ge- Gaming income is definitely taxable to the students. I mean, if the IRS were to come in, which is rare for, for such small amounts, but if the IRS were to look and, and audit their gaming accounts, they would they would tax them on that. It's the same, there's no difference. It's still a value you're getting, even if you're keeping it in that world. And and wherever the tokens come from in the gaming world, you're definitely transacting for value. It's very simple. And remember, so. The main, the main takeaway is that we need to really understand people are doing more with crypto than they think. People have wallets sometimes and and not just Coinbase. So we need to make sure that they know what they need to do and keep for their own personal taxes, but also for estate planning purposes. And, I don't, and so, so I think we, start to, we need to ask more questions than we're doing with this, only to protect us from beneficiaries coming back, acting as if we're not doing our proper job valuing and finding assets great
0: Jason has an interesting question in the chat. Um, I'll, I'll read it read it all does the IRS access the coins blockchain to review preceding transactions any idea if the blockchain chain is admissible in tax court in evidence
1: Sure if they have a blame me I would assume the IRS has full access to the blockchain and everything that's going on. We should assume that. Again, we don't even know where Bitcoin came from, who created it. We're not sure, it's a mystery, man. And everyone and doesn't everyone think that's a little odd? That it's not, a that, that how could it not, I and mean, will at least assume it could be a PSYOP. So everything is viewable by the IRS in real time. Then they could find everything you're doing in real time and in the future with the blockchain. They're recording it all, they're keeping it together, they're monitoring IP addresses, so again, it's attack on the sovereignty of the country. So I think they're putting a lot of assets into it. That's I, everyone should agree. That's why they created. It. I really believe the government created Bitcoin. I don't see you know, I don't see any definitive area or research that says who created it and where it came from. right? It's, it's veiled in mystery. So yes, yeah, so, so yes, the, the blockchain would be admissible. Why not? The IRS can prove it the IRS can prove the blockchain exists and it could show the trend, just like banking. If the IRS can trace transfers to and from other countries, various banks, Soviet Union, all over the world, they can make the blockchain stick in a court case, I'm sure. Jason, I hope that, that answered the question, at least from my opinion. Okay, great.
0: I don't see any other questions, Chris. Um, so we can wrap this up, unless you uh, had anything else you wanted to leave us with.
1: Well, just the last thing is, I know I've said it many times, the clients need to know that there is no hiding place. I know I've said it many times, but people think that they're they're able to hide assets and hide hide things, even things even to get things on a flash drive had to come from a computer. Remember the paper wallet might be the closest thing to protection, but then you still are on the blockchain. So let them know if they think they're hiding assets on remote servers in Russia, they're not. And then they then they get into a specific tax evasion, jail time problem, because they're purposely doing it and transacting, and they're not reporting their worldwide income. So just let people know that it's traceable 100% of the time, most likely. At least that helps us with our liability in the future when people make mistakes and do the wrong things.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, I have two announcements to make for the rest of the group. One, for those uh, seeking CFP credit, please email Tom Duffy uh, your CFP ID so that he can give you credit for it. Um, And then secondly, our next meeting is February 15th, uh, the Federal Corporate Transparency Act by John Strohmeyer. This is another Zoom, it's during lunchtime. So this is new this year, it's our first lunchtime Zoom. Um, We'd love for everyone to attend. Attend. Um, but other than that, thank you, Chris, really appreciate it, very inform informative and insightful. Um, and if anybody has any questions, Chris uh, posted up his contact information, so feel free to reach out, okay?
1: Thank you, everybody. All right, Chris, thank you very much. Have a great day.